What is presidential candidate Barack Obama's position on the sanctity of life? We'll discuss his remarks to Planned Parenthood. And is the conservative agenda too narrow? We'll talk to a pastor and author who thinks conservatives should get more liberal. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I understand Senator Obama said that uh, if al-Qaeda established a base in Iraq, that he would send troops back in uh, militarily. Al-Qaeda already has a base in Iraq. It's called Al-Qaeda in Iraq. That's Republican presidential candidate John McCain. He is reacting to one of the statements made by Democrat candidate Barack Obama in the Ohio debate on Tuesday night. And uh, he's basically saying that uh, there is a presence of Al-Qaeda in Iraq called Al-Qaeda in Iraq. Uh, Barack Obama said that uh, if Al-Qaeda was... uh, basically noticed in Iraq he would send troops back after he'd already pulled them out. I think it's a little bit uh, naive and uh, about the time it takes and the effort it takes to uh, bring troops in and remove troops. John McCain is sort of giving him a military lesson here, and he says Obama is naive. He said this today when it comes to al-Qaeda's actions in Iraq. So to state that somehow if al-Qaeda were there that he would consider going back militarily is a really a remarkable comment and I don't think displays an understanding of the size of the threat and what's at stake uh, in Iraq. Barack Obama almost made it sound like our troops and our military is a yo-yo that you could just pull in and out at will uh, based on what uh, kind of enemy is sighted there and uh, really a more sustained presence that uh, would gradually be decreased is, I think, something that's a little bit wiser and something that would work well in the region. Well, speaking of Barack Obama, let's uh, listen to him in July 2007. But this is more than just about standing our ground. It must be about more than protecting the gains of the past. We're at a crossroads right now in America, and we have to move this country forward. This election is not just about playing defense, it's also about playing offense. It's not just about defending what is, it's about creating what might be in this country. And that's what we've got to work together on. There will always be people, many of goodwill, who do not share my view on the issue of choice. On this fundamental issue, I will not yield and Planned Parenthood 
will not yield. That is a uh, speech that Barack Obama made to Planned Parenthood in July of 2007, and I think he really uh, revealed his position on abortion if we didn't already understand it. And, you know, in this debate between uh, uh, Democrat presidential candidates, uh, the debate that took place on Tuesday night, Barack Obama said that the vote he most regrets is the one that he took very early on uh, as a senator to help save the life of Terry Schiavo. And you'll remember she's the famous brain-injured Florida woman whose husband wanted her feeding tube pulled, uh, even though she was certainly uh, lucid and uh, not in any way uh, a vegetable and uh, able to interact with her family. Of course, her parents wanted to keep her alive. So, you know, the question is, what is Barack Obama's opinion on life issues, this Planned Parenthood uh, speech, and also uh, this statement that he made in uh, in Tuesday night's debate, I think they both reveal how pro-abortion he really is. We're getting some real clues from that. And we're going to discuss this more, hear some more from that uh, Planned Parenthood speech a little bit later in the program, and also speak with Laura Echevarria, who will help give us some insights into that. Uh, but we are uh, also getting some more specifics on Barack Obama's positions, just from uh, kind of going back into his speeches. Here's another one. I'm the only major candidate who opposed this war from the beginning. And as president, I will end it. Second, I will cut tens of billions of dollars in wasteful spending. I will cut investments in unproven missile defense systems. I will not weaponize space. I will slow our development of future combat systems. And I will institute an independent defense priorities board to ensure that the quadrennial defense review is not used to justify unnecessary spending. Third, I will set a goal of a world without nuclear weapons. To seek that goal, I will not develop new nuclear weapons. I will seek a global ban on the production of fissile material. And I will negotiate with Russia to take our ICBMs off hair trigger alert and to achieve deep cuts in our nuclear arsenals. Ladies and gentlemen, give us a call, 1-800-881-9270. Do you like what you hear when you hear this uh, pro-abortion position on the part of one of the candidates? What about this, uh, this idea that we need to stop our nuclear program, basically disarm uh, us offensively, and also uh, curtail missile defense, something that President Bush actually went a long way toward improving? I mean, uh, just a couple of days ago, we uh, shot down a missile that was in space that was going to do some damage if it landed uh, on the Earth. And we actually, with our missile defense system, which was uh, positioned on a ship, on an Aegis ship where it can be mobile, we hit the fuel tank, which is exactly what we wanted to hit. So really, we're getting more accurate. We're able to uh, be very, very accurate with our missile uh, defense system. And uh, should we be just degrading that, downgrading that? You know, there are a lot of major issues at stake in this presidential election. So how do you feel about this type of statement coming out of a presidential candidate who has said basically that he would be a uniter, a bipartisan president that would pull 
pull all factions together. Is this pulling all factions together? Uh, the number is 800-881-9270. And, of course, that piece of audio that I just played uh, has been circulating on the Internet. Uh, Powerline uh, blog has uh, basically called this a one-shot burst of demilitarization speak <laughs> from Barack Obama when he says he'd cut missile defense. Of course, as, as I said, we just saw this great success. And, uh, you know, our defense budget actually is proportionally small to other defense budgets in the past. He wants to cut it further. And uh, he has said also in other places that he would unilaterally disarm. He would not unilaterally disarm America, but he would lead in doing so. And I think the trouble with that is, is that if you look at some of the countries that are gaining nuclear weapons like North Korea and Iran, you cannot trust them to comply with these types of agreements. They have not done so in the past. And to be naive enough to think that they would just because you sat uh, down with them, I think is, is a little bit stupid. Well, we, uh, we've got lots of calls coming in on this issue. Let's go first to Bob and Terrell. Bob, thanks so much for calling. Yes, uh, Panna. Uh, what can you expect from a uh, candidate who uh, is well known with a uh, person from Syria who is a terrorist? He has a uh, uh, supper with him and everything. And also is uh, with uh, Louis Farrakhan. And uh, what he's doing is if he becomes president, he's uh, leading our nation to disaster, where uh, Iran can uh, uh, pick us off the map, and uh, we've got a strong defense system right now, and uh, he uh, doesn't even know how to say Taliban, he doesn't even know how to pronounce it, and... Uh, wow, you've got a, la- a laundry list there, Bob. Thanks for calling. Um, I will say he did uh, basically disavow the support from Farrakhan in the debate when he was asked about it. I'm not sure who you mean uh, that he sat down with from Syria, but I think Bob has a point. Uh, when you think about the foreign policy positions, the defense positions Barack Obama, they couldn't be more polar opposite uh, from John McCain. So we will have a real choice if those two end up being the nominees. Of course, we're not sure yet. Uh, the um, primary in Texas hasn't taken place. Tomorrow's the last day for early voting. Tuesday is the election, and uh, there are candidates on both sides to choose from. So uh, we will continue to follow that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, KCBI is going to be having election night coverage on Tuesday night, and we'll have more on that later. We are taking your calls, 800-881-9270. Now that we're getting specific on the foreign policy positions, the positions of life of Barack Obama, we want to know what you think about it. I might mention also that later in the program, we will also interview Dr. Joel Hunter. He's written a book uh, called A New Kind of Conservative. And it's basically a manual for broadening the conservative movement. And I've got a lot of questions for him because he says we need to go uh, more toward protecting the environment, toward battling global aids, toward battling poverty uh, and social injustices around the world. And uh, so depending on how you want to do that or not, it could be liberal or uh, liberalizing conservatism. Maybe there's some uh, conservative ways to do that. The definition of the conservative movement up for grabs today on the program. So stay tuned for that. But let's go now to Little Elm and talk with Frank. Hi, Frank. Thanks for calling. Hi, Benna. Yeah, when I, when I think of uh, the biggest issue that you mentioned in, in some of those sound bites, um, I think of Psalm 139. Friend, thy book were written all the days that were ordained when as yet there was not one of them. And I think, you know, the military issue notwithstanding, Congress can certainly uh, give him a much bigger defense budget. But the most frightening thing, Pena, is the fact that this man could eventually appoint justices 
that would ultimately come down against life, which is, to me, the most frightening thing I can possibly think of. And I couldn't support anyone that comes down against life. For more information on this, uh, Frank, you're absolutely right. And I think when you hear some of the things that he said to Planned Parenthood, you're going to see that your fears are not unfounded because he really didn't like Roberts or Alito. He voted against both of them. And his reasons have a lot to do with protecting the quote unquote freedom of choice for women. He has some strong words for Planned Parenthood. And uh, we are going to get to uh, air those a little bit later in the program. And I think this is very important to begin to get some of the facts about the positions of the candidates, because especially Barack Obama has gotten away uh, with just being a very sympathetic character who wants to keep the debate on an even keel. But uh, when you start to hear some of the things that are being said, you, you take a step back. In fact, uh, you're almost shocked back. Uh, into realizing what we would have if uh, this man were president and he had a sympathetic Congress. Let's go now to Midlothian, Texas. and to, Oh, Dan, we've lost Danny. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now let's hear from President Bush because he's talking about some of the military successes we've had recently. Since the surge began, high-profile terrorist attacks are down, civilian deaths are down, sectarian killings are down, and our own casualties are down. Uh, I also want to mention, and of course, you don't hear much of that. You don't read much of that in the New York Times and some of the other papers. You don't hear that talked about too much in uh, these debates unless you have John McCain saying, guess what, I was for the surge, and guess what, it's working. And of course, that's why John McCain is well on his way to being the nominee. But here's another position that I want to just bring to you uh, with regard to Obama. It comes out of CNS News. Uh, .com, and it's called, it's an article by Terrence Jeffrey uh, called Obama's Class War Court. And he says, when the uh, nomination of Roberts to be Chief Justice took place in 2005, Obama argued that the role of a justice is to favor the weak over the strong. And so in every case, he thinks a Supreme Court justice ought to favor the weak over the strong, and that ought to be uh, their criteria for choosing justices. Now, this is judicial activism uh, at its strongest, uh, at its greatest. And so the type of justice that's going to be appointed by a person who thinks this, who thinks that the weak, for instance, the employee always, he said, ought to be favored over the employer and, and be given preference in these court decisions. This is not constitutional uh judicial uh, review. This is judicial activism, and this is the type of justice. So we've talked in this segment about abortion. We've talked about defense policy, and we've talked about the type of justices that would be appointed by an Obama. Uh, So we're getting specific here on Jerry Johnson Live. Well, next up, we're going to get more specific on the issue of life. Laura Echevarria will join us, and we'll talk about what Barack Obama said last July to Planned Parenthood. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian 
Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I have worked on these issues for decades now. I put Roe at the center of my lesson plan on reproductive freedom when I taught constitutional law, not simply as a case about privacy, but as part of the broader struggle for women's equality. Barack Obama speaking on July 17, 2007, to Planned Parenthood, the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, and uh, he made a little bit of a longer statement there that uh, concerns me greatly. Let's hear it, Larry. I have worked on these issues for decades now. I put Roe at the center of my lesson plan on reproductive freedom when I taught constitutional law, not simply as a case about privacy, but as part of the broader struggle for women's equality. Stephen Pam will tell you that we fought together in the Illinois State Senate against restrictive choice legislation, laws just like the federal abortion laws, uh, federal abortion bans that are cropping up. I have stood up for the freedom of choice in the United States Senate, and I stand by my votes against the confirmation of Judge Roberts and Samuel Alito. Pretty extreme pro-choice, pro-abortion position being articulated there by a presidential candidate. Uh, with us to discuss this is Laura Echevarria. She is the former director of media relations for the National Right to Life Committee, and uh, she is an author. She writes as a columnist for LifeNews.com, which I read every day. It's a pro-life Internet news source that receives over 200,000 hits a week. And Laura brought this speech uh, to our attention today. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, people can find uh, the full transcript of this speech. You've got it on your website at lauraecheveria.com. That's L A U R A E C H E V A R R I A. Dot com. So I think folks might want to download this. This is sort of a resource. But Laura, when you hear Barack Obama talking about uh, the uh, position against, he voted against uh, Roberts and Alito, it doesn't make you feel any better about the type of judges he would appoint as president, does it? No, it does not. Um, I felt it was very important to transcribe the speech because the the media did not give it an awful lot of play in July. And as we're seeing Barack Obama's popularity increase, we're seeing uh, there have been some polls that have come out that have indicated that people who identify themselves as being pro-life uh, in a matchup between Barack Obama and John McCain, there have been some people who have said that they would vote for Barack Obama. I think the problem is that his speech is so nuanced and so elusive and so loose that you can kind of read into it what you want, and I think that's part of the problem. Is you, it's very difficult to pin him down. And this is probably, to my knowledge, the only occasion where he was this explicit about what he would do 
if he were president regarding abortion on demand. A few months ago, we played Hillary Clinton's speech to the Human Rights Campaign, and we found out really what she thinks about uh, same-sex marriage. Even though she says she opposes it, she she talked to them about how she helped them fight against the federal marriage amendment. And this is that same type of a moment here on Jerry Johnson Live, I think, where we're actually playing the the word. So let's go back to the speech. And again, this was just uh, last July, uh, and Barack Obama said that the threat of abortion rights is actually the key issue in this election. Some people argued that the federal ban on abortion was just an isolated effort uh, aimed at one medical procedure, that it's not part of a concerted effort to steadily roll back the hard-won rights of American women. That presumption is also wrong. Within hours of the decision, an Alabama lawmaker introduced a measure to ban all abortions. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. Laura Echevarria is with me, and Laura, he was talking here about the partial birth abortion ban, which was finally uh, upheld in the Supreme Court, and he is right in saying that once that happened, the language in the court opinion was so strong, it did spawn states to go out and pass restrictions on abortion yeah. uh, in a big way, which is a good thing if you're a pro-lifer. So abortion is a huge issue in the election, but to, to criticize the ban on partial birth abortion, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty bad. That's infanticide. Yes. Um, I think that, like I said, there are a lot of people who think because of the way he speaks and, and he's so eloquent, and I think that people really aren't listening to what he is saying, just how he says it. And there's a big difference between the two. And unfortunately, I think there are some people who are going to think, well, he's not that bad on this issue. And in fact, he's very bad on this issue because he feels that Gonzalez versus Carhartt was a wrong decision of the Supreme Court. And that means that he thinks it's okay for partial birth abortions to continue, which is a heinous and gruesome procedure. Uh, and so certainly I think that this is something the American public needs to be aware of. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people really think he's not that bad on this issue, and he is. All right, uh, we've got one more soundbite from Barack Obama. Let's go to it. The only thing more disturbing than the decision was the rationale of the majority. Without any hard evidence, Justice Kennedy proclaimed it is self-evident that a woman would regret her choice. He cited medical uncertainty about the need to protect the health of pregnant women, even though the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists found no such uncertainty. Uh, Justice Kennedy knows many things. My understanding is he does not know how to be a doctor. He... Okay, Laura Echevarria, and uh, we're so grateful that you brought this to light today because this is that old health exception that uh, we thought it was laid to rest in the Supreme Court decision, but Barack Obama's bringing it back up, isn't he? He is, Um, and it's something that can be a win for the pro-abortion movement because people in general think, when you think health, you are thinking something that has to do with your general health. People do not realize that there is a legal definition that's very, very broad and includes social reasons for abortion. And that, that because of that legal 
uh, difference, that legal interpretation, a lot of people are unaware of that, and they think when you say health that you're talking about, you know, some severe, you know, health deficit if something should happen, uh, and that's not the case. Uh, and so, he, you know, the pro-abortion movement has a tendency to really lean on that um, because it is a win situation because they play upon that misunderstanding. Again, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, find the transcript of this speech at uh, lauraecheverria.com, or if you can't spell the, her last name, you can go to Obama Planned Parenthood. Just Google Obama Planned Parenthood, and you'll be able to find it, because Larry Williams just checked that out. But, Laura, one of the things that kind of scares me here is he was speaking to Planned Parenthood, and this is a long speech. It's very affirming of the organization. What does that say about uh, abstinence funding? Uh, which has been increased under President Bush. And what does this say about just the government um, position on sex ed in this country under a, for instance, Obama administration? Well, all of that would change. Um, you know, Certainly both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, when they were speaking before Planned Parenthood, both of these issues came up. And they were asked questions from the audience regarding uh, abstinence funding and also regarding um, you know, other sex education and things along those lines. And uh, in both instances, you know, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton um, both agreed, you know, hands down with Planned Parenthood's position on this issue. Uh, I think that if one of these were to be elected president, uh, that we would be looking at a sweeping change in office, everything that we have come to know as protective pro-life legislation, many, much of that would be uh, changed. Policies that were established under Ronald Reagan and continued under President Bush, uh, the 41st, and also under this President Bush, would be overturned. Things like Mexico City policy, which prevents uh, federal funding from going towards groups like Planned Parenthood that perform or promote abortion overseas. Um, Barack Obama said one of the first things that he would do when he entered office would be to sign the Freedom of Choice Act, which would Roe versus Wade is the Supreme Court decision. The Freedom of Choice Act would entrench that decision in U.S. law. Uh, right now, it takes a Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. If the Freedom of Choice Act were enacted, it would take an act of Congress uh, to change that. We mentioned uh, before you joined us, Laura, that uh, Barack Obama said that uh, he was asked about what he regretted in the debate Tuesday night. He said he'd take back the vote, helping Terry Schiavo avoid uh, euthanasia. Now, this is going to be a big issue, especially if we get universal health care. It is. Um, and I think that he's going to find that there's a backlash beyond the pro-life movement. Um, he has to deal with the disability rights movement on this one. Um, this is something that was a very big deal, not just for the pro-life movement, but also the disability rights movement. And unfortunately for him, uh, that movement is comprised of people from all walks of life, not just, you know, the pro-life movement is considered a conservative movement by and large, but the disability rights mu movement, there are going to be a lot of his constituency that are going to find that a very, very troubling statement, and he's going to have to deal with that, and I don't think he dealt with it very well. Um, I think certainly, um, you know, there are many people who felt that what happened to Terry uh, was very, very wrong, that it was an act of murder, and that crosses uh, not just, you know, it's not something that's a Republican or a conservative idea. Uh, that was something that many Democrats and many independents felt also, and so I think that's going to be an issue for him. Laura, one more uh, quick question before the end of the segment, and that is, you know, we have uh, a lot of listeners who's... Uh, who abortion is really their main issue right now. So can you just talk about, you know, I mean, what they, sh where, should they where should they latch on? I mean, I don't want you to endorse a candidate here, 
But what should they be thinking right now, especially here in Texas where we have a primary, uh, early voting is taking place right now? Well, I think the, the thing that um, listeners need to do is they need to find a reliable source for information. And I realize, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. We may not find our ideal candidate is the one who is nominated for the Republican Party nomination. But, um, again, even though that candidate may not be the ideal, uh, we are certainly looking at horrendous, horrendous change if Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama are elected president. And I think that that's something that we need to take into consideration, that it's not just what their positions are on the issue, but also electability. And, um, you know, we, like I said, we may not be happy with um, the Republican nominee, not 100%, but I don't think any candidate is going to um, fit our ideals straight down the line. Sometimes you have to hold your nose a little bit. Yeah. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can read her columns at lifenews.com. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Many people who pray are the ones who want to go to war, who want to kill fellow human beings. That disturbs me. I think what we need is more love. Well, that is the unknown Democrat presidential candidate that dropped out a long time ago, Mike Gravel. And that's the bite we love to use. We just need more love. Do conservatives need more love? You know, a political conservative really uh, basically is a small government uh, conservative. Uh, traditional morality would be another important position for conservatives, lower taxes. So the question is, should conservatism be expanded to things like fighting poverty and global aids and protecting the environment? Our next guest believes that uh, that should be the case. He is Dr. Joel Hunter, and he is the pastor of Northland Church in Longwood, Florida. And he has written a new book. It's really a, a handbook for today's conservatives. It's called A New Kind of Conservative. And Dr. Hunter, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Penna, for having me. What is this new kind of conservative, and why does conservatism need to be expanded? Well, I think that um, we are getting painted into a corner and marginalized. Um, and I don't think, just from an evangelical perspective, now, now there's a difference between a, a, a strict conservative and a conservative because uh, there are those of us who are trying to follow Christ and walking out uh, what what he would, I think, his values in government. And so there's a, there's a little bit of a, of a crossover here. But the point is that I think that we could be much more effective um, if we didn't um, have quite the tone or the rhetoric uh, that we have had, uh, if we did expand um, the um, concerns uh, which is not the same thing as expanding the government, by the way. Uh, we we did expand the concerns uh, to help take care of the vulnerable outside the womb as well as inside the womb. Okay, that's uh, the question I had when um, I saw the book, uh, that, you know, there are biblical concerns, you say, like poverty, social justice, AIDS, and the environment. Right. And a lot of times when when conservatives think about dealing with those, we don't think about that taking smaller government, we think about that taking bigger government. Yeah. So let's just take the issue of poverty. How can you address poverty in a small government way? Well, here's the deal. I think that um, we have been painted again into this opposition where you either want small government or big government, and we haven't thought about government is not the answer, but neither is government the enemy. 
there are some ways that government and the church and for-profit business can work together in order to eliminate, um, in a holistic way, uh, poverty. Let me give you an example. Uh, we have a program here in Florida to help people get off welfare. Um, the government pays for classes for them. The church comes in and surrounds them with the support systems that they need. Uh, because if, if a poor person is, is, you know, going to work and their car breaks down, they can't get to work, and they don't have the money to get it fixed. So they need a support system. The Christian businessmen in the community are hiring these graduates so that they have good jobs. And that's an instance where the government really hasn't been expanded all that much, but the church and the, and the business, the citizens, have taken responsibility to solve a problem. And that's, that's the kind of government you need. It's not... And, you know, it's the church being the church, because I think what's happened uh, with the expanding welfare system over decades, the church pulled back from doing things that it used to do. Absolutely right. We absolutely abdicated. And and but the church by itself can't solve the problem. We just we don't you know, if you took all of the uh, uh, donations last year of every charitable um, institution, um, you would not be able to address all of the problems of society. Uh, and so there's got to be some creative ways of doing this. And, and, and I, you know, we've had such a, you know, throw the, throw the government under the bus. Well, we throw the government under the bus because we don't participate. We're not the ones shaping the policies. We're not the ones taking responsibility. And so I think it's time for Christians really to get involved in all of society, including government. Dr. Joel Hunter is with us, and uh, his book really speaks to a new kind of conservative. Dr. Hunter, you uh, mentioned AIDS, and right now in Congress they're debating AIDS funding and uh, uh, help for uh, AIDS victims in Africa. It's a huge problem. Uh, Conservatives and Christians and a lot of the pro-family organizations really pushed for an abstinence component to this, and there's a battle over it right now in Congress. How do you uh, come down on that? Well, absolutely we did an abstinence component. You know, this is a moral problem. It's not just a physiological problem, and it's a, it's a style of life problem. Um, and abstinence is huge in preventing, uh, preventing the disease, and prevention is so much cheaper than cure. So absolutely we need an abstinence uh, uh, policy. Okay, the environment. Now, I am a... Um kind of a green person, I believe, in taking care of the environment. Mm -hmm. And as we've discussed on this program before, um, I grew up in Southern California and um, in the smog of Pasadena. My parents moved to the beach because they saw the tears coming down their little girls' faces and they didn't want us to deal with it. Well, now when you go to California, the air is a lot cleaner and it really doesn't have as much to do with government as it does with uh, private business taking care of uh, technology and, and building it. So, um, you know, there's this whole global warming agenda right now that says because the planet is warming, we've got to give a government fix here that's going to cost people a lot of money. What do you think about that whole agenda? Well, again, this isn't, a, this isn't an either-or situation. I think the government can give incentives, but I do think it has to be a market-based solution. And that is, by the way, huge, that'll be a huge uh, sector of jobs in the future. Um, And I do think it takes both personal uh, and church kinds of measures to train um, our people uh, into obeying Genesis 2.15. But do you think global warming's real? I do think it's, I I, I do think the IPCC is onto something. 
But I don't. I never argue global warming because our responsibility as citizens is the same whether or not there's global warming, and that is to not pollute the earth. And so I, I, I really don't. I, I don't care whether it's real or not. I tell my people believe in global warming. I care whether or not you obey. You believe in scripture and do what it says. Mm-hmm. And so, what what do you think the scriptural position is on uh, caring for the environment? I think that we have a responsibility to personally do what we can to conserve, recycle, reuse, and so on and so forth. Just because it's a matter of being good stewards. I think that as as churches, we need to relook at the energy we use um, and at the at waste treatment and all of that kind of stuff. And then I think we have to vote um, values that would say it's good to preserve the earth. Um, it's not that it's not, government policy won't fix this. It takes citizens' responsibility. But government policy, smart government policy, can offer incentives for renewable energy and things that will not pollute the earth. What about Al Gore's statement that people are the problem? Well, <laughs> people are always the problem. I mean, we're the problem with everything. But the but the point is not that people are the. Uh, oh, oh, you mean as far as population? I mean, oh. it, it's really a biblical position, I think, to say that man was given the stewardship over the earth, and exactly. that the, that the um, you know that nature, plants, and animals are there for the good of of man. Of course, you're supposed to be good stewards. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. So well, that's it, it, exactly. the basis it's, of my question. It's not, it's, again, it's not man versus nature. Who's more important? Uh, obviously, Jesus said, "Are you not more valuable than one of these?" You know, so. Of course, man is more valuable. But if we're following what God says, we really will honor the giver by taking care of the gift. And so it is, it, people do have a responsibility, and it's not, you know, let's save a burden, let's not care whether a person dies or not. That's, that's not the point. Dr. Joel Hunter is with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, jo- uh, join us. Do you think conservatism ought to be expanded uh, to taking care of poverty, social justice issues, uh, taking care of the environment, global AIDS? Uh, do we need a new kind of conservative movement or to broaden conservatism? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. I'll take your calls uh, even into the next segment. Uh, Dr. Joel Hunter is with us now. Dr. Hunter, I know that at one time you were actually named uh, head of the Christian Coalition. Uh, but that didn't quite work out, <laughs> did it? <laughs> what happened? Well, it was just this thing. You know, I mean, there are there they had um, a set of issues I came on saying, look, we, 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 if you want to expand the constituency, especially with younger people, you've got to expand the agenda. Um, and, and Jesus really cared about these things. And so let's, this is the Christian coalition. Let's really care about these things. And at first they were going, yeah, but then they got a little intimidated that they, that might alienate their base. And so, you know, we had a very friendly party, and, and uh, I'm going on with uh, what I recommend, and they're going on with it, what they focus on. Okay, we've got Zach on the line from Fort Worth, but Zach, can you hold on because uh, we're coming up on the end of the segment, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, keep calling in on this issue. Do we need to expand conservatism? Uh, the number is 800-881-9270. I guess my worry, Dr. Hunter, is that, you know, government would grow uh, if we try to really define conservatism beyond uh, what it's been, um, and so that is a concern that I have, and I think that this whole issue is something that really bears a lot of discussion coming up in the future. You raised some good concerns, and I really appreciate you joining us today. Glad to. 
That is Dr. Joel Hunter, and again, uh, his book uh, is really a handbook for today's conservatives. It's called A New Kind of Conservative, and it's by Dr. Joel Hunter. And he has been uh, kind of equated with uh, Rick Warren on these issues. Uh, Rick Warren, of course, is out there at the Saddleback Church and uh, the Purpose Driven Pastor. And uh, these guys, uh, they want to bring uh, some other mandates into the conservative agenda. And it's a discussion we need to have, so we hope you'll give us a call, 800-881-9270. This is Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Penna Dexter, guest hosting today. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. You know, uh, when that news came out that uh, Cheney and I had a distant relation in common, that was embarrassing. You know... (laughs) I mean, when they do these genealogical surveys, you, you want to be related to somebody cool. Dick Cheney's not cool, I guess, uh, according to Barack Obama. And I think this kind of goes to what we're talking about, because uh, we are talking about conservatism and the conservative movement. And uh, Dick Cheney is of an older generation, and uh, he is a defense hawk. His most important issue is uh, keeping our nation strong from uh, foreign enemies And, you know, that's a big part of the conservative movement, the Reagan-type conservative. Uh, Also, the social leg of that, the pro-life, pro-family, anti-homosexual agenda. That means don't let homosexuality inform the policies of the nation. And also economic conservatism. And, you know, are those enough? Or does the conservative agenda need to also address poverty? In a sense, it does, because when you have low taxes and when you have small government, you usually have a better economy, and that helps everyone. It lifts all boats. Uh, But what about things like global aids? Uh, What about helping uh, those who are downtrodden, not only in this country but around the world? What about the environment? 
Are there conservative ways to deal with these things? I think there are, and we have to be very clear about those as we go on with this discussion of expanding conservatism, or should we just keep it simple? Uh, Let's go now to our caller. Zach is in Fort Worth. Zach, thanks for waiting. Hi, thank you. What do you think about this whole idea of expanding conservatism? Well, you know, uh, from a personal standpoint, I think it's uh, a great deal. I'm actually getting my political science major over at uh, Texas Tech right now. And um, conserving the environment has definitely been one of my main points. I'm actually an uh, outdoorsman myself. I um, go backpacking quite a much, quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, and I really um, appreciate this uh, this man who uh, wrote this book. I haven't read it yet, but I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna go have to go pick that up. But I agree with almost everything he says, except for his standpoint on uh, homosexuality and oh man. How, how do you disagree on that one? Um, well, the homosexual community um, is really, I don't, I don't find them as a threat to anybody. And um, I think that the only person who can judge... Should we have gay marriage? Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that that's, that's under, I, I can see where they're coming from on that. And if they want to announce their marriage uh, legally, I don't see how that interferes with anything. Um... Who are, who are we to judge another person? Okay. Okay, Zach, i got to let you go. You're basically liberal, so we're talking about the conservative movement. Let's go on to Andy in Irving. Andy, thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jenna. Uh, it's Penna. Oh, Penna, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm, just, I'm really glad you're talking about this topic uh, today. I'm actually a first-time listener. I was just scanning through the radio and heard your show. Um, well, thanks for listening. Welcome to our audience. Yeah, um, and this uh, this topic of expanding conservatism, um, I see it as more of a return to real conservatism because uh, what you brought up in the last section, uh, your last segment was how beca- when the government started coming in with welfare and Medicare that the church took a step back because um, whether there was more money going in the government and church didn't have the to do anything or whatever, Um, but if it was a real conservative movement, um, the conservatism, uh, in my opinion, and I think it's pretty much uh, universal, um, law um, puts individual rights on a pedestal, and that's all what it's all about, because small government, lower taxes, all those things give the power to the individual. Mm -hmm. And And that's what conservatism is really about? Yeah, the individual as opposed to government. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very good point, Andy. And you know, I think that in a sense, uh, we've in in the economic realm, we've been growing away from conservatism for a long time. In fact. You know, we've been commemorating the life of William Buckley, uh, who was a great conservative intellectual. And in his last years, uh, he grew discouraged, the Wall Street Journal says, about what he considered the drifts of the American right. He said uh, in a 2005 interview, he said, I think conservatism has become a little bit slothful. And I do, too. I think it's become a little bit big government. I don't know whether the answer is, though, to expand it. I mean, in a sense... Uh, if you can accomplish a few things like uh, protecting the traditional social values, lowering taxes, keeping government small, and defending the country, if you can accomplish those things, you know, to 
to try to expand it in a sense to some of these other areas, and then you have to sort of grow government to do them. It's a little scary. I think uh, we need to address all the problems that have been mentioned, though, uh, but we have to find conservative ways to do so. Let's go to Stephen in Dallas. Stephen, thank you for waiting. Hi. Thank you for having my, uh, taking my call. Um, I, I just want to know, since when is it to care about the environment, to recycle, um, to be uh, conscious about pollution and, and caring about, like, your neighborhood or even your yard. So why is that not conservative? It is conservative. I mean, I, I I was in a Bible study last night or, you know, midweek last night, and I, we were talking, got to talking after the study about politics, of course, and I was shocked to hear when I expressed my views about, for, and you'll, this is for local listeners, but White Rock Lake and how precious that is, and how it should be cleaner, and this, that, and the other thing. And they were looking at me like I was from Mars. And I'm like, guys, this is we're stewards of God's creation. Why, why is this a foreign topic? You know, why do I have to have a peace sign and, like, you know, be tied <laughs> up to a bunch of lesbians to care about the lake? You know, I think uh, you're right, Stephen. And, of course, uh, you mentioned our yards. You mentioned our homes. This whole idea of biblical stewardship of the environment, of our animals, of our plants, of our land, uh, is very important. And it's something that conservatives need to uh, speak up about, or we will be labeled as uh, polluters and people who don't care about our own possessions. The most conservative way uh, of keeping the environment clean is for people to own their property and to take care of their property. But I think what's happened is the environmental movement has been co-opted by liberals who use the environmental issue as a way to gain control over economies. That's what the whole global warming debate is about. And before that, uh, there were other ways in which the environmental movement basically took us to a level of where the creation was more important that the God's creation, not man, but the rest of it was more important than man, where that has things backwards. Man is the one that God placed in the position to care for the environment and uh, also to use the environment for his benefit. It works well if it's kept in balance. But I think what's happening here is, first of all, there's a lie, and I believe it's pretty much a hoax, called global warming that is now being used to scaring, scare people into getting their government to spend more money and to tax them to fix something that doesn't even exist. So we've got a lot more to say about that, and we will do that. Tomorrow, Alan Houston, former pro basketball player, will join us to share his Christian testimony. So join us then. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.